Hello there. My name is Shirley Fisher, and I'm an illustrator, creative business owner, and mom of two. I've been slowly growing from a part-time creator to a full-time working artist since 2016, so I know the joy and struggle of working for yourself and how mindset can impact your growth. It's here where we dig deep through vulnerable chats about running a creative business and uprooting our limiting beliefs. My hope is that you walk away from these conversations feeling empowered with a greater sense of clarity and community. So find a cozy spot, open up your heart, and prepare to be encouraged. Welcome to the Tillage Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Lissy Teehee and the course Art and Digital Processes. Are you feeling the woes of not being able to get your art to look exactly the way you want in Adobe Illustrator? Are you working with mediums like watercolor, gouache, or even printmaking and having trouble bridging that gap between analog and vector art? The course Art and Digital Processes is here to help you vectorize your original artwork in a way that you love. Join Lissy Teehee, a licensed artist, designer, and university art professor with over 13 years of Adobe Illustrator experience as she guides you how to transform your artwork into vector brilliance in Adobe Illustrator. You can create vector art that speaks to your style and in a way that you love. Art and Digital Processes is open for enrollment May 9th and the doors close May 16th. Join the waitlist today with a link in the description below or head on over to the tillagepodcast.com for a link to the waitlist in today's show notes. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for being on the Tillage Podcast today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be talking to someone who coaches women And Liz has a lot to share, but before we jump into everything we're going to be talking about today, Liz, I know you have had a winding path in your creative journey, and I cannot wait to hear all about it. Can you clue us in about your medium, what you do, and all the things? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me here today. It's such a joy to be here. I love the show and I'm so excited to connect with more creatives. So yeah, I'm Liz. And as you said, my creative journey has been very winding. So to give some context, I started my creative business back in 2017. And at the time I was primarily focused on printmaking. Now I do illustration and I'm expanding into murals and all of my work is inspired by the natural world and food. So that's my artistic practice. And I'm also an educator as well. So as you mentioned, I coach women who are in the beginning stages of their creative business, really to help them start their creative business up. And then I also teach creatives online across the world. But it didn't start that way, as most winding journeys uh, start very, very differently. So in 2017, when I started my creative business, I was actually started out by teaching kids about food through art. So I had this vision that my business, which at the time was called Prince and Plants, was going to be this traveling mobile arts and ecology studio. And I was going to travel across New Mexico, where I was based at the time, and I was going to go into all these different schools and teach kids about local agriculture and share it through art. And after a few sessions in the classroom with kids, I realized very quickly that I do not like teaching (laughs) kids. So um, (laughs) that was a really quick learning experience. And I tried to like convince myself that I was into it. But once I got honest with myself, I realized that that wasn't really for me. But what was interesting was simultaneously, I was working a job with the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum as an educator. And so I was teaching adults 
around the same time as well in the classroom. I was teaching drawing classes in the museum. It was really, really fun. And I realized what I really loved about teaching adults was that with kids, what's so cool is they're already tapped into creativity. Like you give them an activity and they're like, great, less hesitation. They're ready to go for it. What I loved about teaching adults was as soon as these adults would enter the classroom, they would give a disclaimer. They would be like, I'm not an artist. I haven't done this in 10 years. I don't know how to draw. Like before anything else, there would be this disclaimer. And I was like, okay. And it was kind of this like personal educator challenge of like, in the next two hours, can I help these adults, these adult, powerful, creative people leave this room with more confidence in their creativity. And it was this really fun experience to like see that transformation in only two hours in these classes where somebody would come in, say they weren't an artist and leave with something they'd created and more joy and more confidence. So that was really the first seed of seeing that I really loved teaching adults. Um, so I started to teach online and I was selling my artwork in local shops. I was pretty much doing like trying everything under the sun that as creatives were told we could make a business out of for like the first three years. I was like, cool, I'm going to try all of it, which now makes me a really great coach for people because I've had experience in a lot of different realms. So yeah, I just think looking back, it started in a very, very different way than where I am now. But I think what's beautiful is that there are still seeds and threads that are connected. The education is still here. The education piece is still here in my business in a different way. The artwork about nature and food is still in my business in a different way. It's just taken a different format than I initially expected. Well, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I really believe nothing is wasted in our journey. And through all of the things you've tried, like you said, it's made you more equipped to help people who are just starting out. I kind of still feel like I'm in that stage where I'm still trying things out or feel like my my business has taken different, you know, paths even in the last couple of years. So I feel like that's a very common theme, especially when we're trying to find our footing of what we like. And so I'm really excited to talk about this topic, which we're going to talk about is taking action before we're ready. And you had said, as we were kind of talking about the topics we would cover today, that this is something that you promote a lot in your coaching, but it's something that I think all of us across the board as creatives experience. This desire to do something, this new goal, this new revenue stream, but we have a lot of resistance to that. And I would love for you to unpack what you have seen in your coaching that are these common threads or these common limiting beliefs or hurdles that keep us from taking action? Yeah, absolutely. I've had the amazing opportunity to talk to so many creatives who either end up working with me or don't about their creative business idea. Even when I'm at like a party, it's like my favorite thing to do is like, what dream, (laughs) what dream are you bringing to life? Like, let's hash out a plan right now. But in those conversations, it's so amazing to see the common threads. And a lot of these conversations are with creative women and these threads that keep coming up that are the blocks, or I like to think of it as like the creative wilderness. It's almost like the boulders that stand in our path, you know, that are kind of like us from moving forward on these ideas. And so a few of those are imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overwhelm. Like those are three of the top things. And, you know, what I've seen with that, I think first with the overwhelm piece is as creatives, we have the gift of having so many ideas and we want to do all of them. And I think that's such a gift. But I also think overwhelm is almost like another way of 
wanting to wait for full clarity before we take action. We want to know that the path is going to work out. We want to know that our actions are going to lead somewhere. We want to know that our idea is the idea. And what I always encourage my clients and myself still is that clarity comes through taking action. It's kind of this reverse thought that like when I wait for clarity, once I have it, then I'll take action. But what actually is the case is the action is what breeds the clarity. Because as soon as you take an action, as an example, when I did of teaching kids, you learn <laughs> key information that maybe you like that or you don't or that works or that doesn't. And that really feeds into your path to move forward. And then in terms of like imposter syndrome and perfectionism, you know, you and I have chatted about this a bit already of like, as creatives and artists, we want to make beautiful things in the world. Like that's part of our job is to create beauty. So thinking of putting anything less than that into the world is really, really challenging. But that can put a lot of pressure to be perfect, to make sure every action we take is perfect. That ties to wanting full clarity as well. And when we get stuck in that, it's really not only stopping ourselves, but stopping other people from reaping the benefits of what we have to offer. Because the imperfections, it's what makes your work and your path beautiful. It's what makes the humanity come forth. And it what like I always say imperfection is what allows for connection. Like when we lean into that and take action from an imperfect place to learn, we can always get better. But those are a few of the common things I see in all of these conversations that I've had with a lot of creatives. So yeah. I definitely had goosebumps when you were saying that the clarity actually comes with action. And I think that's so true. I can look back at my own life and recognize you know, the clarity that has come just from doing the next thing. It's kind of like, as you're saying, this creative wilderness, you have to step forward into the darkness to like kind of get your bearings a little bit. And I love that you were talking about perfectionism. And what comes to mind for me is that, you know, there's the, like you were saying, the humanity in that. But also, I think we can tend to think something's imperfect when honestly, no one else would ever think that or like we're just so close to our work that we can like see the imperfections and perhaps nobody else might. And so there's a lot to unpack there. And I would love to unpack this a little bit further. You talked about the hurdles, but I want to get behind the why that those things are even happening in the first place. So we have perfectionism, imposter syndrome. Is there something that we can like tangibly cling to to understand like what's going on on an emotional level behind the scenes that are making this occur in our lives, kind of like a diagnosis. Does that make sense? Mm, yes, it does. <laughs> I'm definitely no therapist, but I can try to like <laughs> creatively diagnose. Neither yeah. am I. I just love talking about this stuff. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love digging into the deeper why. And I love this question because something I do with my clients at the very beginning of my Thrive Coaching program is we walk through your why for your business, why your business wants to exist in the world, but why you want it to exist as well. And like the deeper the root that we can get, the stronger a compass and guide we can have. And so I think it's really valuable to also dig into the layers behind those things that show up like perfectionism and imposter syndrome and overwhelm. And I think a few things that I see come up are really tied to vulnerability and also this doubt of whether it's really possible. You know, I think in the beginning stages of having a vision as a creative, there's no question, right? Like when you first have that idea, it's like, it's the visionary, you're excited, you can see it. And then other people, like, as you start to share that, there's other voices of like, what are you talking about? 
what is it that you do? Why are you doing that? And those voices can start to lead us to question ourselves, to start to have doubt and to start to go into these questions of like, well, is this really possible? Like, can I actually do this? And I mean, my job as a coach is like full belief that you can, you know, I think it might take longer than you think initially it might take, or the journey might be way more loopy and windy than you imagine. But I think anything that you can dream up, you can do, even if it takes a different format than you initially think like that is my full belief. And that comes through action. But I think just when that doubt starts to set in, that's where a lot of our own kind of like, conversations with ourselves start about imposter syndrome, about if we're good enough, about if we need to be perfect. And so much of the creative journey, my goodness, is just like, it's it's such a raw human experience to be a creative in this world. Like it is exposed, you know, like it is a vulnerable path to be on because it's not a set path. And it's that makes it the most beautiful thing. And that makes it incredibly challenging as well at times. But I think that vulnerability piece is a huge why behind we us holding ourselves back as well. Because it's scary. It's scary to put our art on display. It's scary to put our ideas on display. It's scary to put ourselves on display. Because it's it's a vulnerable space to say, hey, this is what I created. Do you want it? Are you into it? Is this adding value to your life, right? And so I think when we can start to embrace some of that vulnerability, just like imperfection is like, you know, I know Brene Brown talks about this, but like vulnerability is the thing that connects us. It is the thing that makes us human. And that as creatives is part of our role as artists and creatives is to encourage vulnerability and encourage connection. And so I think the more that we can, you know, one step at a time, lean into that vulnerability, share that vulnerability, not in a way that feels like unsafe or too pushy, but like in ways that we can just embrace that it's okay to be seen and okay to share our ideas and trusting that we can make those a reality. Yeah, the more forward progress we can make. I'm going to push into this a little bit further because I think there's not only this emotional vulnerability and this vulnerability of just putting something into the world that you poured your heart and soul into, I think also walking into a creative entrepreneurship role also exposes this vulnerability of that financial part. And I think that's where a lot of those voices come in at the beginning is like, is this really possible? Like, can you really make a living from being a creative in this world today? And, you know, even just this past weekend, I witnessed a conversation with a mother and daughter and this girl's ready to go to college this summer and talking about what she wants to do. And there was just a off the cuff comment of like, she has lots of really incredible hobbies, but you know, you have to have something that supports you so that you can do the thing that you love. And so there's all these voices. So I would love for you and your own coaching experience. Is that something that you also have seen? Is that like, vulnerability of like exposing yourself to maybe some, what people would say, some financial risk? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think financial risk is part of doing business, any business that you're in. And so I think that's a huge topic. And obviously in our culture, that's discussed much more around the arts and creativity and whether you can quote unquote, make it as an artist. 
So like with the financial vulnerability piece, I think there's a lot of pressure on social media right now of like six figures in three months, six figures in six months. You know, it's like all of this conversation about a figure in a really compact short amount of time. And that's awesome. Like if that happens for people and that's doable, I think that's really great. Like who wouldn't want that? Right. But I also think there's a lot of truth to growing slowly and sustainably. And, you know, that's how I teach about creative business is it's all through the lens of nature and all through the lens of building something sustainable. And so when we work together in coaching, we look at how to set up a really strong foundation for yourself. And so financial vulnerability is such a real thing because we need financial stability to feel safe. We need financial stability to feel supported. And so what I encourage clients is that you don't have to make this leap overnight what's supporting you financially into this brand new thing you're starting because typically businesses take a while to make a profit and that's normal and i think it's become so normalized to get rich quick and that just isn't real in my opinion it's like good things take time and intention and tending so you know what i encourage clients as they're building their business and looking back on my own journey is what i did too is how can you support yourself financially while you build it so that you're not putting that pressure on your creativity and you're not putting that pressure on your business and so just as an example like when i started in 2017 i was working two or three other part-time jobs simultaneously and they were in the local farming industry i was working with the farmers market i was working jobs that inspired the work I was doing in my business so that it was all integrated like an ecosystem. But I wanted to make sure that I had something stable while I was building this new vulnerable thing because you are putting yourself in a more financially vulnerable state. And so what I really encourage people to think about is like, how can you set you and your nervous system up where you feel supported and secure to go explore this new thing? It's just like if you were in the wilderness and you're like, cool, we have like our base camp. We're solid here. We know we have what we need, but I want to go explore that mountaintop, but I know I can come back here and be safe. You know, so it's like, what financial security do you have that you can rely on or what can you build in while you take this not even leap, but just this step into new territory. So if you have a partner who can help you while you build this, if you have family support, and like a lot of this does tie to being privileged as well and having these opportunities, right, to have more financial income while you explore something new. But I just think like, I mean, it is just like, such a fact of the matter that stepping into business is quote unquote, a financial risk, but honestly, so is everything like, you know, the idea of security and stability is really nice as humans. Like we like to think that that's, you know, a true thing. And in some ways, like a nine to five job can hold more security and stability. But I think what we're seeing right now too, is that you can get let go in a second, you know, the economy can change and you can lose your job in a second. And so really just like, you can build a lot of security and stability for yourself over time in your own business, both financially and energetically and creatively. And so just looking at ways that you can feel really supported as you take a leap into that vulnerable space. We'll be back after this short break. Do you binge on podcasts weekly? And if someone asks, could you tell someone your top favorite shows you listen to without skipping a beat? I want to tell you three ways to make your favorite podcaster blush. Number one, go leave a review or even write an email telling them how much the show means to you. I will tell you that we have no idea the impact we are making unless we are told. This truly means a lot and it encourages us to keep going. 
Second, go share your favorite episode on social media or send a link and a text message to a friend. This helps get the word out for a podcast host and gets those listener counts up. Third, place a link of your favorite shows on your blog or a resource list to share with others for a reach that has a much longer timestamp. I promise you that your favorite podcasters would appreciate this so much. Thank you again for your precious time and listening to the Tillage Podcast. Now back to the show. I couldn't agree more. I loved your picture of base camp. And I was thinking through when you were saying there's also you were talking about pressure that when you are going all in from the beginning, there's a whole lot of pressure to make this thing work. And I had this picture because we both love plants and things. I was imagining growing little seeds and staring at those seeds and saying, you have to grow and I'm not buying any produce from the grocery store while I wait. And like, that's just not going to be a great situation. And so I love that you also tap into this get rich quick. I mean, we see it everywhere. I mean, at least for me, I think a lot of the accounts that I follow are business or creative businesses. And so I probably get hit and inundated with a lot more of this stuff. But it's so rampant in our social media that it does start to really skew what is real. And I appreciated you going there because it's so there. (laughs) You know, and yeah, I think like, it was just what happened to good things taking time? What happened to time and intention? Like where, where, like, how can we recultivate the value in that? You know, because most of the time when somebody's called an overnight success, they actually took 10 years to get to that point. And you just don't see that underground work until suddenly someone sees it, you know? So I think that's where it comes to like, your business is another creative practice and it's a devotional practice. Like I like to think about it on a lot of levels as a spiritual practice. It's like you're in relationship with your creativity and you're in relationship with your creative business. And so when you shift the thinking to like, what if I'm doing this for the long term and I have the support and I put the support into my life to do this for the long term, what actions do I take today? Because when you think about it as a long game, you not only release the pressure, you give yourself that room to explore, you give yourself yeah, less pressure to like take the big leap, so to speak, you know, of that that pressure too, that you have to do it all at once and just allow yourself to really enjoy the process, just like any other creative process, you know, really enjoy that journey more than just some arbitrary and imagined in a lot of ways end results. Because as soon as we're there, we're still on the path, you know, (laughs) so we're still walking. In addition to like the six figure pressure, there's also a lot of pressure to immediately make your creative business full time. But what I really encourage creatives to think about is one, is that even your specific dream? Because I talk to a lot of creatives who work a part time job or a full time job that they actually love. And it's okay if you love your job. Like, I just want to give permission that, like, if you work a job you love, that's amazing. And like, hold on to that, you know? Like, there's no pressure that as soon as you start to like dabble into your creative business and like explore that, that it has to be, oh, now you have to like overhaul your whole life and only do that. 
you don't have to put that pressure on either, like really getting clear on what's your version of the dream. Like, is it part-time with part-time of your creative business? Is it full-time creative business? Or is it like small parts of your creative business? Like I describe this as like your life ecosystem, that these different plants can fit into your ecosystem, your part-time job, your creative business, your, you know, your fam- your time with your family and friends, like all of it gets to work together. So just getting really clear on your version, I think is going to give you a lot of permission to make the steps that feel natural and exciting and aligned in your own path. Absolutely. I think this leads perfectly into some tools then to get us unstuck. So if someone's listening right now, they have something that they really, really want to do, or maybe it's even just starting a creative business. Do you have tools to help us change some of those mindsets and then get us to get unstuck? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, what I want to touch on first is I appreciate that you say changing the mindset because something I'm always encouraging clients and myself to remember is that you're not going to necessarily get rid of this mindset completely, right? So like, just like, again, a boulder on the path in the creative wilderness, it's not like you're going to roll this boulder like off your path and like down the hill and never see it again. That would be awesome. What's more likely is that you're going to figure out how do I go around this or how do I walk alongside this? And so when you're thinking about these mindsets, just again, releasing the pressure that like you have to eradicate them or like get rid of them in order to take a step forward, like they can be with you, you know, like, so one thing I encourage people to do is just start to converse with these things, you know, like my coaching is very practical, but there's some woo as well. So like really, yeah, really (laughs) thinking about like if imposter syndrome was a person, And, you know, you could sit down for a coffee with them. A, how does that feel immediately, right? Like imagining talking to imposter syndrome at first is like a little bit maybe unsettling, but what would that conversation look like? Like what questions would you want to ask imposter syndrome? What would they be asking you? Like how can you start to develop a relationship with this mindset? So you can actually talk to it. You're not pushing it away. You're not saying it's bad. You're not ignoring it and you're not trying to get rid of it, but you're just starting to befriend it and say, oh, what you really want for me is to feel safe right now. Okay. I totally hear that. What other ways can I incorporate into my creative path to feel safety as I step into these new territories, right? Or with perfectionism, a similar thing. Oh, you want me to be seen as good by other people. Okay. That's because I want to be a really good person in this world. So what actions can I take that let me know I am being a good person to myself and other people, right? So that's a few things that I think just like starting a conversation with the things that feel like they're holding you back can just be a way to soften it, make it less intimidating and kind of invite them along for the ride where you're like, yeah, let's go, let's go together. You know, like, let's go explore this together. And I've just noticed for myself in doing that, it, it can soften it. It can make those voices less loud, less overpowering, and they're not controlling the path anymore. They're not controlling the show. It puts agency back, like you in the driver's seat again. They're in the passenger seat. But So that's one thing. But another exercise I really like to lead creatives through in the beginning of our coaching together alongside dreamscaping and imagining the vision for their life and business is really like imagining that like doing a visualization practice that you are the rockin' rad, like super cool, confident CEO of your creative business. Like you're there, you know, 10 years out, 20 years out, wherever that is, like you're there, you're in it. You wake up in the morning 
what does that woman say to herself? What does that woman think? What does that woman do in the morning? What actions does she take that day? How does she speak to other people? How does she interact with her business? Really just starting to get an idea of like, who is that woman? Because that person that's already in you right now. Yeah, you are not. That's not distant. That's not separate. That's in you. This process is uncovering that to let that out into the world. It's it's like peeling back layers of an onion. You know, it's uncovering that amazing woman that you already are, that empowered creative that you already are, that empowered CEO that you already are, and starting to take actions today that align with that. And so that's another thing because if you imagine that confident woman in ten years. Imposter syndrome, I'm sure still comes up, you know, but how does she handle it? How does she work with it? So those are a couple of exercises. And yeah, again, with anything, it doesn't have to be you leaping into feeling totally confident in one day. It's it's steps over time. This has been said so many times on the podcast, and it's a thread that brings a lot of these conversations together. But it's just this recognition that the creative journey exposes a lot of you, like exactly what you said in the beginning. And I think the more that we're intentional with processing these things, getting curious, asking why, I think that the more we deal with those things, it just enables us to be walking more confidently in the very unknown path of the journey because we don't know the end of the story, we never will. But like, if we can start implementing the tools, it just makes that a little bit easier. But I, I love these conversations because all of this is so part of the creative process are all of these feelings that we're discussing today. Yeah, absolutely. Like all of the feelings also come up when we're creating art, you know, like the business journey is so parallel to the creative art making journey. And I think what you touched on too, of just how exposed running a business is like, I always say it's like a pressure cooker for personal development, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) Just compress the personal development really, really tightly. Like, cause you, you can't avoid yourself when you're running a business. You can't just skip over these feelings. And I think that's what makes the journey so beautiful as an experience is that you have to face off with yourself and you have to understand yourself better and what you have like so much value to offer the world and how you can do that in better and better ways. Well, that leads into what I'm really excited to talk about is you just said you have so much value to offer the world. And as we have talked about in the beginning of this conversation, there are so many possibilities that you can do as a creative entrepreneur for different revenue streams. And so one of the offerings that you have is a course called Press Publish. And I would love for you to tap into what that course is all about, but why this might be something that someone might want to try out as a revenue stream for their business. Yeah, absolutely. So Press Publish is a five-week course that teaches you how to publish your first online course. And the reason I made it is that Courses in my business has been one of the best parts of my business. I started teaching online in 2019. I published my first Skillshare course and it was part of their like publishing challenge, which meant I had one month to create this course. And I did not know what I was doing. Y'all, like if you're like, oh, but you knew how to make a course. No, I will encourage each of you go to my Skillshare page and go find Beginner's Guide to Fabric Printing. I cannot go back and watch it anymore, but it's up there so that you can see my very first course. Because I I love to encourage people to go back and see the first course I did versus the courses I'm creating now in the Creative Wilderness series. Like 
but the only reason I could get to where I am now is because of that first course. So when I published that course, I was really interested in, okay, how do I share what I have to offer with the world in terms of value? How do I connect with more people? And how do I incorporate a passive income stream into my business, which passive income is like my love language. I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) I encourage every creative to incorporate passive income into your business because like you can make money while you're sleeping. I know it's cheesy, but like you act that actually works. It takes a lot of upfront work. It's not no work, but it pays off over time. So I remember I published that course. I was using my iPhone 5, a stack of books as a tripod. Like I didn't buy any new gear. I didn't have any lighting. I was using like my Apple earbud plug-in as my mic. Like it's a vibe in that class. (laughs) (laughs) Go check it out. But it got me rolling. And so I remember I published that course about two weeks later, I was sitting at my car mechanic getting my oil changed. And I got an email that I got $9 of my monthly payment for that first course. And I was like, all right, let's lean in here. Like, let's keep this going. Like getting paid while I was doing something else for previous work, it was just this light bulb of how can I do more of this? And now Skillshare, teaching on Skillshare, I'm a top teacher on their platform now. And it's allowed so much more than I imagined. And, you know, it's allowed me to connect with creatives from all over the world. We start conversations on Instagram, seeing people tap into their creativity because of courses I've shared. Like, you know, there's that quote where it's like, you never know where the impact of your teaching stops. And it's some of the most fulfilling work personally I've done as a creative and I've seen so many other creatives feel so fulfilled by as well. So it's something I really encourage creatives. Like you have something to teach. You do, you have it in you. And so don't feel like these, you know, technicalities of doing it have to hold you back. Like if you're curious about starting that in your business, I highly encourage it because you never know where it can lead passive income, marketing, community building, sharing what you have to offer. Like I I can't say enough good things about building a course into your business. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, like I like this idea of doing a course, but to go right back to this whole theme of this episode is taking action before you're ready. What are some common things you think people have that are holding them back from creating their first course? And maybe something that someone is thinking right now, well, I don't have this, so I can't yet. Oh, yes, absolutely. I love this topic. The the two things I see show up the most around this, like the hesitation to start a course or kind of the obstacles is one, the belief that you have to have fancy gear to start. And two, that you don't have anything to teach. So first with the fancy gear, as I mentioned, my first course, no lighting, Apple headphone, iPhone five stack of books, you know? So in my press publish course, what I teach is you don't have to have the fancy gear. I go over what you could get in the future if you want that, but I really encourage you in press publish to just start with what you have on hand. You can always increase, you can always upgrade later, but start with what you have, like treat this as your MVP, your minimal viable product, use what you've got. It doesn't have to be fancy. And what we've seen with students on Skillshare, what I've seen with students in my courses is just people want you. They want real. They want human. They want the content. They want the how-to. They don't care about Blockbuster. Sure, it's a nice add-on, but like it's not the main draw, you know? So 
again, just with that first course I created, even though the production quality wasn't the best, I still get comments of people finding so much value saying it's like the best fabric course they've taken. You know, they're still finding the value in it. So don't let the idea of fancy gear hold you back. You can totally use what you have. Some students who have gone through Press Publish have sent photos to me of stacks of books that they're using for a tripod. And I'm like, yes, go get them, you know, and then they're getting staff pick for that course on Skillshare. Like, you know, it doesn't, the behind the scenes doesn't have to be fancy. And then if you're feeling like, okay, I have the gear, but like, I don't have anything to teach. I'm going to challenge you on that. I'm going to encourage you to do a brain dump of anything and everything that you love to do anything and everything that you're interested in. Because the thing is, you don't have to be 40 steps ahead of somebody, you just have to be one step. And what's so familiar and inherent to you feels like, quote unquote, nothing to teach because it's so familiar to you. But there are people out there who haven't ever touched that thing and they want to. And that's why you're perfect to teach it to them because you are so familiar with it. So I just really encourage every creative I believe has so much to teach so much to share. And so if you're listening to this and you're doubting that, just start to really look into what feels really close to home to you, what feels really familiar, and how can you share that with people? There's so much truth in what you said as far as like the quality of what the content is that you're sharing is going to trump the quality of your production every single time, in my opinion. Like, Unless it's like so bad, like you can't hear the person or it's so dark on the screen that you can't see the person, which it's probably highly unlikely that that would be the case. But you're always going to be drawn to that content and the richness of the content versus, oh, they had really good lighting in their video. And so I love that you say that because I do think that is something that even myself holds me back from stepping into things, which we could keep hashing out perfectionism all day here because that I think is very tied to that as well. So if these are the things that are holding people back, we've got tech, we've got, I don't have anything to teach. Are there ways that you address this in your course? Like basically the mindset stuff behind what is holding people back from taking action on, you know, pressing publish. Yeah, absolutely. So in Press Publish, I call a lot of these things out just right off the bat because I don't want you to feel stuck. And I know when I was starting with creating courses, I was in a lot of these mentalities too. So early on in Press Publish, we talk about a lot of these things that are in your way potentially. So not feeling like you have anything to teach, the tech needing to be fancy, needing to have a huge audience is another one that comes up a lot, the imposter syndrome, the perfectionism, et cetera, et cetera. And so we go through a variety of different exercises to really help you move through these things. So as I mentioned, with not having anything to teach, one thing you can do today is just brain dump anything and everything you're interested in that you could teach on anything that you're even just passionate about, because you might find tangential things that are related that could apply to a new course that you haven't even thought about teaching before. But another thing that you can do is that we do in the course as well is really starting to talk to your audience. Because something that can happen is we get so insular, like so in our own creative brain that we're like, well, I think I want to teach this, but does somebody want that? Ask them. You know, like one thing like that I really encourage in the course is different exercises where you can go get in touch with your community, get in touch with your audience and really start to understand them on a new level. Because when you can start to turn your business, your course to your people, 
you're really tapping into what business is all about, which is about service. And so when you can start to turn that around, you can get out of your own head and it actually breaks you out of some of these mindset blocks, obstacles, because you remember that you're here to serve other people. So the more that you can get out and talk to your people, pull them, ask them questions, get to know what they need, the more confidence you're actually going to have to create something from your skill set that serves them. So that's something we go over in the course in more depth, but that's something you can start doing today is just opening that conversation to be two-sided instead of just you and these mindsets that just circle around in our creative brains, which is so familiar. But yeah, start talking to your people. That's so powerful. It's kind of like on the pressure cooker, like undoing the valve a little bit so you can like, like just let it out and like be like, okay, I'm not just in my head. This is a two-way conversation. How can I serve? That is, uh, I love that because I think sometimes we get so stuck in like our head that we forget the whole point of what we do is producing something that is going to make someone's life better or easier or more beautiful. And when we can take the focus off of like just looking so closely to what we're making and outward, that is such a powerful game changer for your mindset. So I love that tool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. I feel like there are so many takeaways. And if someone is thinking, okay, I'm really interested in this course, or they want to learn more about your coaching, can you tell us where we can connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in learning more about the Press Publish course, you can actually get $100 off as a listener of Tillage. It's a little special discount for y'all who are listening in. So if you go to lizbrinley.com slash Tillage, you will get all the info for Press Publish. You can get $100 off. So that'll be a total of $197 instead of the typical $297. And then you can also come hang out with me. Instagram's the best spot. So it's Liz Brindley and Liz Brindley Artwork are the two places to find me, as well as my website, which is lizbrindley.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And it was just a joy to have you and talk about all of these mindset topics. It was a joy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Here are the key takeaways from today's episode. Clarity comes through taking action. When we get stuck in perfectionism, it's not only stopping ourselves, but stopping other people from reaping the benefits of what we have to offer. Anything that you can dream up, you can do, even if it takes a different format than you initially think. Vulnerability is the thing that connects us, and it's the thing that makes us human. Financial risk is a part of doing any business. Good things take time. Allow yourself to really enjoy the creative process and the path of the creative journey. We are not necessarily going to get rid of a limiting belief completely. Instead, we have to learn to be curious and, as Liz suggests, have a conversation with these things like imposter syndrome. This puts you back in the driver's seat and more in control. Take action today like the person you envision yourself to be in the future. You don't need any fancy gear to create a course, and you do have something to teach. You only have to be a couple of steps ahead of someone else. And lastly, turning our attention outward and remembering what we are creating is serving someone can help us get out of our heads and make action. Thanks again for listening to the Tillage Podcast. It brings me so much joy knowing that you spent your very precious time with me here today. If you want more, head on over to the tillagepodcast.com for today's show notes. 
And I'll be back next week with another episode.